0: someone you love have scoliosis? Are you wondering what's next? What is life going to be like from now on? Or is this even a big deal? Hi, my name is Dave Butler and welcome to the scoliosis experience. We are here to talk with real people, both patients, parents, and providers to bring hope and clarity to the road ahead. Thanks for joining us and let's get started. Hello and welcome to episode 11 of the Scoliosis Experience podcast. I'm glad you're able to join us today. We have a great guest today who's an orthotist who makes scoliosis braces. His name is Jared Larson, and he's one of the main scoliosis orthotists in Utah. A lot of my patients that have braces have braces made by Jared, and he's a great orthotist. And for a little while, I've been looking for an orthotist to have on This podcast so that we can talk about the experience that kids go through with bracing and such a big part of the scoliosis experience for a lot of a lot of the patients that i see so in this episode he talks about what kind of braces he makes who's appropriate for scoliosis braces what degree we start bracing he talks about how braces are fit and what you go through to to get fit for and to begin wearing a scoliosis brace. This episode would be a great one for anyone that is looking to be braced with scoliosis. Um, Anyone who is wondering what it's like to be braced from an orthotist's perspective. He discusses a lot about his background and about how he got interested in scoliosis braces as well. So this is a great podcast episode to listen to. And again, thank you for listening. And here's Jared. So uh, welcome to the podcast. I'm here with Jared Larson. He's a, an orthotist that works for Hanger Clinic here in Salt Lake City, and he agreed to do a podcast episode with me, and I'm really excited about that. I've I've known of Jared for a long time. We haven't had a chance to sit down and chat, uh, but we have many mutual patients, and, and the feedback I get from my patients is that he's a great orthotist. So welcome, Jared, and if you want to introduce yourself a little bit. Tell us a little bit of your background.
1: Sure. Yeah. Um, so as David mentioned, I my name is uh, Jared Larson. I'm a certified orthotist and also a certified prosthetist. Um, so orthotics is bracing. We do a lot of different types of bracing from spinal bracing, you know, for scoliosis that we're going to talk about, to leg braces for Kids that have like cerebral palsy or spina bifida or, or adults who have had like a stroke or, or those types of things. And then also do prosthetics. So prosthetics is artificial limbs uh, for those individuals who have uh, lost a limb and, and then we're providing a prosthesis for them. So my office does both and I actually am certified in both and see both, both types of patients, both prosthetic and orthotic patients. Um, I'm originally from Idaho. Um, I did my undergraduate at Utah State, Um, and when I was going to school at Utah State is when I kind of decided I wanted to do orthotics and prosthetics. I initially was doing engineering, and I liked certain aspects of engineering, but I also liked healthcare a lot, Um, so I actually changed my major to like a pre-medical biology and then started volunteering uh, time with different healthcare professionals, Um, volunteered with a Individual who did orthotics and prosthetics and just really, really enjoyed that. That, you know, it brought in a lot of the engineering aspects, but also healthcare related, and then just really, you know, helping people um, get back to being more mobile or or in in other ways being able to help people, which I, I really enjoy. Um, so I did um finish my undergraduate at Utah State. And then at that time, um, it was a postgraduate certificate program that I went to for orthotics and prosthetics. So I did a year of schooling in orthotics and then that I did I did a year residency. And that residency included uh, quite a bit of time um, at a children's hospital at Connecticut Children's Medical Center. Um, and so, so we were in a uh, office right next to the, the orthopedic group um, and they did a lot of scoliosis there. So that's where I was kind of first. I was introduced to scoliosis you know, through the schooling, uh, but then actually did a lot of treating of, of scoliosis in my residency um, at the Connecticut Children's Medical Center. So I did that, and then I actually got a job as an orthotist, went back and did my schooling for prosthetics, and then did worked in residency hours for prosthetics, and then got certified in prosthetics. Um, soon after getting certified in prosthetics, uh, moved back west, wanted to get close to family and and missed the West a little bit and came to a company here in Salt Lake. It was Shields Orthotic Prosthetic Services. um, And then they were acquired by a company called Hanger Clinic about six years ago. So I currently work for Hanger Clinic. The office here, um, Shields Orthotic Prosthetic Services um, did a lot of scoliosis bracing uh, for the the spinal doctors at Primary Children's Medical Center. So then I was able to kind of continue uh, with the, with scoliosis um, treatment and, and things there. And I've just kind of continued with it that way. So I've, I've had quite a bit of experience with scoliosis bracing from both when I was doing my residency and and then, you know, through the past, you know, 16 years being here um, in Utah as well. So, wow. Well,
0: yeah. You've that. had a, a lot of experience then with that.
1: Yeah. Yep. I've been doing orthotics and prosthetics for, for, you know, about 20 20 21 years.
0: So, wow. Okay, yeah. You've you've been at this a little bit longer than I have. That's that's great. Yeah. Um, and with a kind of an engineering background or kind of an engineering interest that combined with the medical field, I mean, that's pretty much prosthetics and orthotics, right?
1: It is. Yeah. So it, it kind of found my niche that I that kind of suits me really
0: well. So, I've enjoyed yeah. it. Well, that's great. Yeah. That, the first time I heard of you was, uh, you know, patients that the doctors at Primary Children's had sent to, to your clinic for bracing. It seems like that's kind of their go-to place for for bracing. And that's, um, I mean, that's really says to your expertise because they don't send to just anybody.
1: Yeah. We've had a good relationship with them and have been, have been seeing patients that they refer to us for, for quite a while.
0: I appreciate cool. that. So, so you, you kind of, it seems like you kind of gravitated towards uh, scoliosis and kind of more, more children's orthotics and prosthetics um, over the years. And do you do adults too, or are you mainly doing? Yes.
1: Yep. Yeah. Nope, I do adults. So um, prosthetics, as far as prosthetics go, pretty much just see the adults. Um, there yeah. is a Brenner's Hospital, and they do a lot of the pediatric prosthetics. Uh, but we see a lot of adult prosthetics and then orthotically see both pediatrics and, and adults. So we do, I do have a good relationship with a lot of um, the doctors and then also therapists at primary children's um, and then also at, at the university of Utah um, do some things for the hospital up there and then a little bit through St. Mark's as well. And then they refer, I'll go to the hospital sometimes or to the, the therapy clinics but um, then also the patients come into our office quite a bit as well, just depending on what the, the situation is.
0: Awesome. So since this is a, a scoliosis podcast, let's turn our attention a little bit to, to the scoliosis side of things and kind of sure. gi- give us an idea of who bracing is appropriate for, uh, who usually receives the braces that you make for scoliosis.
1: Sure. So any of the, the bracing we're doing is generally done as the kids are still growing. So anybody who's still, or who hasn't gotten to skeletal maturity and they're still growing. Um, And that can be, um, most of what we see is is adolescence, uh, but there's some juvenile as well. So we'll see some kids, you know, that are six, seven years old. Uh, Most of the kids are generally, you know, 12, 11, um, up to, you know, 16 or so years of age. It it just kind of depends on how big their curves are. So generally we'll see them, once they've seen the orthopedic doctor and they've determined that they're, they're in need of being braced. Um, generally, that's the, the textbook has been, you know, above 25 degrees with documented progression. Uh, some of that thought has changed a little bit. We're seeing some kids earlier than when the families and the kids wanna be a little bit more proactive with maybe even smaller curves maybe starting with just a nighttime brace with a small curve, seeing if we can hold it from progressing. Um, Generally, maybe a little sooner than you would with a a full-time brace or one that they were in daytime and, you know, at nighttime and and looking to try and be a little more aggressive at trying to hold those curves earlier on. But the the textbook has generally been, you know, above 25 degrees with documented progression. Then they'll, a lot of times, if it's less than that, they'll just follow up and, and do extra race to see how the curves are progressing and if they're showing that they are progressing then they'll look at doing bracing. If it's the first time that the physician sees them and the curve is more like 30 to 35 degrees then they may um, prescribe a brace for them just right off the bat without showing that there's been progression of the curve just because
0: that that degree it's already showing that it's progressing. Right there's only one way it gets to 35 (laughs) that's if it progresses.
1: Right, right. Exactly. So sometimes I'll go in, but if sometimes, you know, in the past that they see a curve that's 18 degrees or 20 degrees, they may wait and, you know, follow up every six months and do x-rays to see if it progresses. And then if it does progress to 25 or more, then generally they'll brace them. But like I said, that mindset's changing a little bit to maybe starting earlier with some of those smaller curves, you know, of, of 18 degrees or 20 degrees and, and trying to do something, maybe even a, you know, a nighttime brace to, to hold those and see if we can keep them from progressing. So,
0: and especially those kids that are diagnosed when they're younger, probably would benefit yes. more from that. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Okay. Absolutely. Are there any braces that are too big to brace any curves that are too big to brace? curves?
1: Um, you know, it, it's, it's kind of biomechanics in it. As those curves get a little bit bigger, they're harder to, they generally get a little bit stiffer um, and they're a little bit harder to, to push on, um, but we'll, we'll still sometimes brace kids that are, you know, 50 degrees or more with their curves to try and see generally at that point, when they've gotten to that degree, um, they're looking at doing some surgery to try and get correction of those curves. Cause they've just gotten so big that, that they're going to continue to progress even after they've gotten the skeletal maturity. Uh, but sometimes maybe they're trying to wait um, until they've grown a little bit more before they do the, the surgeries. There are some newer surgeries. And I know in you know the podcast you did with um, Dr. Smith talked about some of the newer you know types of techniques and things that um, allow for some growth. But generally, with some of the surgeries, they have to go in and do a, a fusion. Um, so they want to try and wait on that as long as possible to get as much growth as possible. So we'll even sometimes brace curves that they've determined they're going to do surgery, but they want to try and wait as long as they can and keep the curves from progressing more. So we'll sometimes see some big curves um, for bracing as well. But, um, you know, once once somebody has reached skeletal maturity um, and they're not growing anymore, then a, scolia, a true scoliosis brace really isn't needed or effective. You know, with adult scoliosis, sometimes some bracing can be done to help with pain but it's not really trying to hold a curve, you know, to keep it from progressing or get any correction out of it. So, so once somebody's reached skeletal maturity, there really isn't a need to brace. So it's only done, scoliosis bracing is done uh, while they're still growing.
0: And, and you kind of touched on this, but the goal, what's the main goal of bracing? Like what you're being, an sure. what, what's your main goal when you see someone?
1: So kind of the gold standard or what we're trying to do is to keep the curves from getting bigger with most studies have shown that over time, you know, the brace or the, the curve will go back, even when they're done with, with bracing and things, the curve will maybe go back to where it was at. And that's what we see, you know, primarily is if, if we can keep those curves from progressing, you know, especially progressing to the point of needing surgery, but, but progressing, you know, as, as much as at all, you know, if we can keep them from progressing at all, then I feel like we've we've done our job and that's that's a, a great outcome. There we will see sometimes, and it's generally with, with some of the younger kids, they're a little bit more flexible. We will see sometimes where that the, the correction, because generally what we'll do is we'll see, we'll get an x-ray and they we see what their curve is. We'll make a brace for them and then they'll get an in-brace x-ray. And, and that in-brace x-ray, we're wanting to see correction of those curves because the brace is pushing, in specific areas to try and straighten those curves out. And the idea, by straightening those curves out, is keeping them a little bit straighter so as they grow, then hopefully we're keeping those curves from progressing and getting bigger. Um, So generally, what we want to see in an in-brace x-ray is about 50% correction or more, if we can. Um, Usually, once they take the brace off and they're not having those corrective forces applied by the brace, then the curve will kind of sink back to where it was at. And if we can hold it from progressing, then that's that's what we want to do. There are some situations where we see where they actually without the brace are holding some of that correction in, in meaning that the, the curves aren't as big as they used to be and they're actually holding that outside of the brace. Um, but that's not uh, you know that's, that's a little bit that's not what we see primarily. Primarily we'll see where we're trying to hold those curves from getting bigger but sometimes right. they will hold a little bit of that correction, but that's the rarity and it's generally some of the younger kids that'll actually hold some of that correction.
0: So. Right. Yeah. So when you're looking at a, a 50% correction in brace, when they do an embrace x-ray, it's important to know that that's not a 50% correction that's going to last necessarily. That's just what the gold standard Correct. is for, for embrace correction. Correct. Yes. And it's interesting, you know, when you're talking about the effectiveness of bracing and things like that. My mind goes back to when the, the braced study came out and mm-hmm. before that, you know, like seven years ago when I would talk to scoliosis surgeons, it was like, yeah, you could brace, but we're not, you know, we're not totally sold on it. But after that really started to come out, the effectiveness of it, uh, of bracing really became a little more clear. And I think I saw used more. We see good results with it now.
1: Sure. Nope. Yeah, I agree. I think that was a, that was an important study that did come out and it, you know, it showed the braces were effective and it also shows, and I'll, I'll reference that study a lot uh, with patients who come in and kind of show that chart as far as where, you know, and explaining why it's important to wear the brace, you know, a certain amount of time because the, that study, that brace study uh, that you mentioned, you know, shows that that bracing is effective and the amount of time that somebody wears the brace can increase the the efficacy of the brace. It's a, to talk a little bit about that study, so there's, they had prescribed, I think about 20 hours of wear. Um, they found that most kids wore them about 12 to 13 hours of wear time. And they found that uh, the scoliosis braces at 12 to you know 13 hours of wear were about 75% effective at holding those curves from progressing to the point of needing surgery. Uh, you know, as you get a little bit higher than that, you know, maybe to like the 16-hour range, then the braces were closer to like 90% effective at at holding those curves from progressing to the point of needing surgery. Above that, it it, you know, like the 20 to 23 hours of wear, it didn't really make a huge difference. It only went up to like 93%. So so there really wasn't a a big difference in wearing it, you know, a full 20 to 23 hours. Um, but there was a difference between say like 11 to 12 hours versus like you know, 16 hours of where there was still, you know, a significant improvement. But even even at the 12 to, you know, 13 hours of where it was still like around 75% that they found that it was effective at, at holding those curves and from progressing to the point of needing surgery. So yeah, it was a big thing to kind of show the efficacy of bracing and then also, you know, the the importance of wear time with them as
0: well. Right. And the interesting thing to me is that's, um you know, the study was looking at who progressed to needing surgery, not necessarily progression right. of any kind. It was right. whether or not they got to surgical range. So that's yeah, correct. That's so
1: that's an important, uh, yeah, to, to keep in mind as well.
0: Right. And even if the brace slows the progression, if we can reach skeletal maturity before, uh, it, you know, before you get into surgical range, that's a win, right?
1: Yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I completely agree.
0: Yeah. So let's let's go into kind of what does a, a patient experience, or or what do they have to go through when they're braced? Can kind of give us an idea of that.
1: Sure. So generally, you know, the the scoliosis is, is is noticed by either like a pediatrician or maybe at one of the school screenings or by a parent. They'll eventually get you know um, to the to the orthopedic spinal specialist who, you know, diagnoses the scoliosis and generally then will write a prescription for a scoliosis brace. Then they'll generally get a hold of us, schedule an appointment for us to do an evaluation and then to measure them. So we used to, and, and we can go into this a little bit more as well. So there's there's several different types of scoliosis braces. Um, most of them are based off of kind of three-point pressures to try and straighten out those... Cr- curves you know when you're wearing the brace and there's those braces can be done from just a module where you take you know basic measurements on somebody and then you you get a module in that's kind of a symmetrical design like a a boston the original kind of boston brace was like this that you took a few measurements you got in a a a module kind of a, a plastic material that had foam lining that was a symmetrical design and then you'd cut holes out in certain areas and add pads in other areas to try and push and straighten out the curves um, other types are, are called like an asymmetrical brace meaning that the brace itself is not it, it's symmetrical it's it's has pressured areas and reliefs built into the brace itself instead of having holes cut out and pads added there's actually push that's put into the brace in specific areas, and reliefs put in the brace in specific areas, um, and those are more custom done, where we actually get a, a, a model of the patient, and that can either be done through a like a cast, or it can be done through a three D scan, and then measurements are taken as well. So, uh, for a lot of years, when I was here at, at Shields, we had um, we would do casting of patients, so it would be a, a casting procedure, and we had a Uh, pegboard we'd have them lay down on and we'd get some of the correction built into the cast as we were casting them Um, and it was like a two-stage cast we'd have them lay on their stomach at first and kind of cast the back section and and push in some of the correction Um, let that harden up roll them over onto their back and then cast the front section and and it was kind of a big long involved process and then we We've now with modern technology and things have now transitioned to where we do a 3D scan. So it's much easier to get the image. So we do uh, um, have the patient wear um, just some form-fitting stockinette or these kind of look like dresses, kind of a form-fitting dress. Uh, We do a 3D scan and take a bunch of measurements. And then that way we've got a a 3D model that then the brace can be made custom specific to that, that individual and their particular shape. And then we'll build into that model, or, or make it modify that 3D image so that we have the the shifting and the pressures and the release and everything where we want them to try and get that that spine to shift and get the correction in brace. So so any more with us, then it's it's a it's a 3D scan and measurements that are taken. So a fairly fairly um, easy process for them to go through. A little easier than the kind of the full torso and body casting that we were doing.
0: For, yeah, for, uh, I, I've heard, I've heard of stories with casting and stuff like that for my older patients. And yeah, it doesn't yeah. sound like that was that fun.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it usually wasn't the most fun thing with lots of layers of plaster and get warm and then the on the pegboard with pressure plates and different things. Like so yeah, so we'll we'll get the the 3d model. And then usually about two to three weeks after that, it, it takes us to, to have the, the brace to fabricate it. Um, then we'll have them come back in and we'll go through a fitting Uh, appointment. That fitting appointment generally is about an hour to an hour and a half because we'll get the the brace on, we'll get it all trimmed up, we'll add sometimes additional padding in certain areas if we want to increase the amount of pressure we're applying or pushing or you know making sure that the fit of the the brace is appropriate. We'll go over the the break-in schedule and the wear and care and and those types of things at that appointment. And then um, generally After they receive their brace, um, a lot of times they'll have an appointment, usually about three or four weeks after that with the physician, and they'll do an in-brace x-ray. And so they'll take an x-ray of them wearing their brace so we can see how much correction we're getting in the brace. And then we'll see them back at our office soon after that, if not even sometimes that same day. Take a look at that in brace x-ray and see you know are we getting the kind of correction that we want or is, is my relief in the right place is my pressure in the right place do we need to extend that pressure up or down or or those kinds of things give us a roadmap to be able to to really look at you know how effective we are with the brace and if if we need to make some some modifications to try and you know improve that correction and then generally after that um They'll do six-month follow-ups with their physicians. And at those six-month follow-ups, generally what they have them do is not wear the brace for about 24 hours before so that they can kind of see with their body relaxing back into the position, you know, without the brace pushing on it. And they'll do an x-ray to see, are we holding those curves? You know, are are we keeping those curves from progressing? Um, Or are they progressing? Or are they actually holding some of that correction? So we'll usually do a follow-up after that out-of-brace x-ray, and then see how that's going. Take a look at the the fit of the brace, see if the brace um, is still fitting appropriately, make adjustments if we need to, and then, you know, or see maybe if they've outgrown the brace if it's time to um,
0: re-measure and scan for, you know, for a new brace. How often would you say kids are outgrowing a brace and need adjustments or need a new brace?
1: So generally, we can get about a year to a year and a half out of a brace. So we'll, you know, we'll have to do some adjustments and things in, in, in that meantime, but generally about a year to a year and a half, it just depends on how much growth they've had. And, and, and a lot of that too depends on the type of curve and where the curves are at. You know, if, if we've got a, a curve, that's a thoracic curve on the upper part of the spine, our trim line of the brace may need to be really high underneath one arm, you know, to be able to provide a counter force. And, and as they grow, um, you lose that leverage, you know, and they may, you know, that type of a curve, they may mm-hmm. need a brace a sooner than somebody that's a little bit lower down where we've got a little more room to be able to adjust and things as they grow. But for the most part, we get about a year
0: to a year and a half out of most braces. Okay. Which, which is pretty good. Obviously some kids grow like weeds and they, yeah. I uh, mean, there's, and there's
1: been to. times, yeah, there's been times when it's, you know, it's less than that. It's like eight months or so. And there's been times when it's been a little more than a year and a half but but a good majority of the time it's between that year to year and a half range before they they've got to be
0: replaced what are some of the the main complaints when kids are braced like what 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 are the complaints that they have
1: sure and you know and it's it's a it's a tough time in life you know wanting to you're going to school and wanting to fit in and do those kinds of things and so I think a lot of it is is um just the fact of having to wear a brace um, you know, and wear an, enough time that, that other people could you know, know about it. Some kids don't want other people to know that they wear a brace and so they wanna be able to try and hide it you know, as much as possible. So that's, that's, that's a big thing is, is you know, just the fact of, of having to wear a brace and can we disguise it as much as possible so other people don't notice.
0: You know, just being different when you're a teenager. Yes. Anything. Yes,
1: absolutely. And yeah. anything that sets you apart, you know, sometimes is is not wanted. You know, you want to kind of just fit in and, and go along. And and sometimes it can be difficult um, because a brace does, you know, set you apart a little bit that way. Um, I would say that's probably the 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 biggest um, concern, you know, that the, the adolescents, you know, and kids have. Um, after that, then it's, it's getting used to the brace. You know, the brace has got to apply a pretty good force to try and correct those curves or hold them as correct as we can. And so it's a matter of getting used to those pressures. Um, I generally will have um, kids break into a brace fairly slowly. Um, you know, we, 16 hours is generally for a full-time brace is what, what the physicians in this area generally are wanting. Um, so I'll have the kids start with just an hour the first day, you know, then two hours the next day and just building an hour each day. So it's kind of over a two and a half week period that they're, they're building up to that, that 16 hours. I'll initially mark on the straps of the brace, um, kind of the snugness we want to work towards. Um, and they'll start with a little less snugness at the beginning and then as they feel comfortable, they'll, they'll start to increase that snugness until they work up to those marks that we have marked because they want to wear the brace as snug as they can because the snugger they wear it, the more force it's applying, the more it's going to tend to hold and, and correct those, those curves while they're in the brace. That being said, I don't want them to just be in agony the whole time. So it's trying to find that balance of enough pressure that we're getting the correction that we want, but not so much so that they're so uncomfortable that it's just really hard to wear the brace, you know, and and I try and tell kids in the beginning to, you know, don't feel overwhelmed in the beginning because it, it's, it's a lot, you know, it's, it's, it's a lot of pressure. It's immobilizing. It doesn't allow you to be able to just flex and extend real easily, you know, because we're, we're pushing on the spine. Um, So there's a lot to get used to. There's getting used to moving with it, getting used to wearing it, you know, getting used to, different types of clothes with the brace and what hides it better than others and just there's a lot in the beginning and sometimes it can feel overwhelming to the kids and I try and you know make it as easy and as gentle as possible as we kind of first get into the brace and usually you'll see you know when I first do a fitting and then a month later there's a there's a difference. I'm like, okay, at first I, I didn't know if I was going to be able to do this and then, you know, later they felt, okay, I feel like my body's starting to relax into this a little bit more. I'm starting to, you know, get more used to it and, and how to move with it and, and how to wear it and, and those kinds of things. So it's the, the first, you know, month is, is difficult just as they're getting used to all of those things. Um, but, but they generally, if, if they're persistent within things do, can do well with it.
0: Yeah. And, and I've joked sometimes with my patients. I'm like, I know wearing the brace is not, not a picnic. It's not fun. And some days it would be interesting to for me to wear a brace to see what it's like. I don't have a custom-made sure. brace for myself. But.
1: Sure, sure. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I think that's something I try and take into account of, you know, put myself in their place, you know, as in if I were a teenager and was told I needed to wear this brace, you know, and and thinking of the emotional emotions they'll go through and, and just all that's involved in, and try and you know understand that and and, yeah. and with them so that they can be successful with it.
0: Um, Maybe one of these days I'll come up and you can fit me for a brace and I can really feel what it's what it's like to be sore. braced and empathize <laughs> sure. with patients, you know. But don't yep. want to create scoliosis where there isn't any though. So right,
1: yeah, that's true. That's true. And it's you know it's it's um it's something too that I think for, you know, kids are young, not all of the, some kids with scoliosis have back pain, but not all kids mm-hmm. do. Um, so it's kind of like, I, they're young, they don't have back pain, you know, why do I really need to wear this brace, you know? And, and so I, I try yeah. and be open and honest and have a good discussion and kind of explain that, you know, what you do now is going to make a big difference for the rest of your life. And, right. and, I'll have them try to understand that and, and families and things as well but it's it's still a lot it's a lot for a kid to, to deal with yeah
0: it. and yeah. I get that question a lot it's rarely asked but once I ask them do you ever wonder what the big deal is <laughs> they're like yes right because I don't have pain why do I have to wear this thing <laughs> you know yep exactly so yeah it's, a, it's an important thing to discuss so uh yeah is there anyone that isn't appropriate for bracing we talked about like size of curve and skeletal maturity but anything other than that
1: um, you know, there's, so you'll, you can get scoliosis, idiopathic scoliosis, um, or you can have neuromuscular scoliosis. So idiopathic is where the scoliosis develops, not really knowing why, you know, there's not a neuromuscular condition underlying, there's not really any other health issues or anything, you know, why they're developing that, that curve. Uh, neuromuscular is where you've got some muscle imbalance and there's some things like with cerebral palsy or, or that type of a thing. And, and with them, we sometimes will still do bracing for neuromuscular scoliosis, um, but we may not be as aggressive at trying to correct. You know, we may be just trying to then position them while they're in their wheelchair or, or those types of things, but not really aggressively trying to, to get as much correction as possible just because they're not able to tolerate that or there's other issues going on. Uh, but with the idiopathic scoliosis, you know, then we're, we're trying to get as much correction as we can to, to hopefully keep those curves from, from getting bigger um so generally with the idiopathic it's you know most of the kids there some of the smaller curves there's you know there's been times even there were, i remember there's one insurance company that said well we won't cover a scoliosis brace unless their curves are above you know 20 i forget what it, if they said 25 or if it was 20 degrees or something and we were looking at maybe doing like a nighttime brace for somebody that was like at 18 or you know was starting to get a little bit of a curve and just wanting to be a little bit more, start to treat it a little bit sooner, you know, keep it from getting bigger. So sometimes those smaller, you know, really small curves may not really be a, be a candidate, um, but, but generally, you know, anybody that's, that's between that, you know, 18 up to 50 some odd degrees, um, you know, and still growing could be a candidate for, for a scoliosis brace.
0: Yeah, and I've seen a, a few like Chiari malformation patients that, oh, that sure. s- some are braced and some don't seem to be braced as much. So, uh, yeah. yeah,
1: there's, yeah, we'll see a, a pretty good amount of Chiari um, patients. Um, sometimes you'll see a little bit more of a rigid curve depends on the type and severity and things sometimes a little bit more of a, uh, not quite as flexible of a curve. So you may not see as much correction sometimes, you know, with, mm. with the Chiari as you do with some of the others, but, um, and, you, don't, you know, and, and so I, I generally will see patients when they're, they want them to be braced. So there may be other situations with Chiari or, or other things where there is a scoliosis, but the physician doesn't feel like a brace, you know, would be, would be needed or effective. And so I, you know, I don't, so I, so I never see them. They never come to me,
0: but. Right. Uh, so uh, we, we kind of touched on that there are different types of braces. I know a lot of people that will be Googling, you know, different types of braces when their kid has scoliosis. What types of braces so do you do you do?
1: So we do, um, you know, a custom asymmetrical design is what we do primarily. So that's where, you know, we get the 3D image of the, the patient, um, have a brace made custom specifically to them. And when I say asymmetrical, so we talked a little bit about this. So initially, you know, the Boston brace was kind of the standard and it was just kind of a symmetrical module that then is kind of customized more specific to
0: each patient. Whereas and that ori- originally that had less rotation, correct?
1: <laughs> exactly. I mean, there was some things you could do in there to try and help with rotation, but not, not as much as the newer designs. So yeah. newer designs are more of like a 3D type of design. So it, you know, touch on that. So scoliosis isn't just a side to side type of a deformity. You get that, that curving, you know, side to side, but you also get a lot of rotation that's involved with some of those curves. And so then we're trying to control some of that rotation as well. So with the 3D designs, we are um, not making a symmetric brace. It's a brace that's custom to that individual that then has the correction built into the design of the brace. And that correction can both be the side to side correction, and then also the rotational correction that we're trying to get. There's some, another design that we can do also is, is called like a Rego Chenot. So there's a, um, and which goes good with like Troth physical therapy. So the design is a European design that was kind of, developed. It was by Dr. Cheneau and then kind of developed more by, by Dr. Rigo, kind of going hand in hand with the, the Schroth method of, of physical therapy. Um, and it's very aggressive at derotating curves. Also three-point pressure systems um, to try and correct the side-to-side type of curbing. Uh, one thing that's a little different with the Rego than you'll see with some of just the, the more kind of um, asymmetric US designs is that there's there's bigger kind of voids and um, reliefs to allow for the using some of their breathing techniques and help try and derotate that those curves within the brace on their in conjunction with with, with what the patient's doing and then being mindful of moving into those voids. And so so you'll see more more pronounced voids front and back. To help with the 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 de-rotation and allowing that that patient to be able to work into those those voids more so than with some of the the just standard kind of three D designs. So those those are some of the probably the the two most that we do are the the, uh, the the asymmetrical designs and then then starting to get into a little bit more with the rego designs and the the rego designs are, are meant really to go hand in hand with um, with Schroth physical therapy. So if right. you rego design brace but you're not really doing the Schroth physical therapy then you you're not getting really the the full intent of that you know that type of brace so that's one of the things that we look at a little bit too is if you know are they doing shroth physical therapy and if they're not then there's not you know then we maybe stay more with the 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 asymmetrical you know kind of 3d type of design
0: um, right and i and i think that's great i mean we we haven't had the option of a uh, Shino or a Rigo Chino brace here for a while. I'm glad to hear that you guys are doing it which is awesome. So let's see any any suggestions you have for kids that are looking at getting braced or worried about bracing or anywhere along that spectrum any any suggestions or advice
1: you know I, I think just kind of being open, about their feelings and the questions that they have sometimes kids are you know when they come in you can tell that they're very nervous about it or or have a lot of questions but they're nervous to ask and don't really know kind of the situation so I try and make it comfortable for them to be able to ask questions and 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 be involved with it um you know it's something that they are having to do you know it's I'm I'm providing the brace for them and and some instruction that kind of thing but they've they're the ones that really have to own it and and do it. And so um, you know, I want them to feel like they're a part of it and and hopefully not just feel like, well, they're making me wear this brace because I have it, you know, and and trying to help them understand the importance of it. So, you know, I, I want them to, to feel comfortable asking questions or 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 really being honest with their feelings about, you know, bracing and 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 that. So we can have open discussions and and be honest, and, and hopefully them understand the importance and feel at ease and feel like they're they're a part of it, not just that they are getting forced into this, you know, situation of, of having to wear a brace, but they they are in control of it, you know, and, and they can be uh, a contributing factor into their um, success, you know, and, and hopefully holding that, those curves from getting bigger. So that's one thing I would suggest is just, you know, try and try and be involved, you know, and, and understand why and, and what you can do to make it a, a successful outcome. Other suggestions I have are just, you know, when I like I said when I tell kids at the beginning, don't feel overwhelmed with it. It does get better with time. And, and just just try and work with it as, as much as you can. There's resources, you know, there's websites or there's kind of support groups of other kids, you know, that have, are going through the same thing. And sometimes it's good to talk to somebody who's going through the same thing that you are, or at least have a resource to be able to find information. And so those are, you know, good resources to, to try and to look at as well.
0: Um, so, yeah, that's, that's great. I think connecting with other kids who have been braced or are braced, I think that's uh, priceless for a lot of these kids. Sure. So, you know, they're not yeah, alone. Absolutely. So. Cool. Uh, yeah, and, and as far as when they're braced and discomfort and maybe skin irritation, any suggestions for that?
1: Yeah, so it's like I said, you know, we want to have them kind of gradually get into it and and allow those their their skin and their body and stuff to get used to those pressures. You know, if they are having any issues at all, get a hold of me or whoever you know is 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 bracing them because there are adjustments that we can made and as they're growing and things are changing then sometimes those adjustments need to be made so rather than just putting up with something that's bothersome or hurting or or anything like that you know let be vocal and let your parents know or let me know and so that that way you know we can fix it and make it you know it's it's already a difficult thing to do we don't need to make it even more difficult through you know having pressure issues or things like that. So if there's, there's anything like that, make sure and reach out because there's adjustments that can be made, on the brace to try and make it as, as, as comfortable as possible, you know, and make sure that we're not causing any skin breakdown or pressure over bony prominences or things like that.
0: Yeah. I think your point of, uh, you know, support and, you know, the support groups online and things like that. I think that's great. My next podcast episode is going to be with a, lady who does that with an online support group but and last last uh, episode we talked to Lauren at Higgy Bears about you know bears that have braces that have the same patterns that the child's braces which is really cool so I think that's great Um, so I know you're busy this time of year but let's say someone wants to get in contact with you has questions about bracing or wants to look more into bracing how do they contact you
1: so I'm I'm at hanger clinic um, and I'm at the Mill Creek office. Um, we've got you know several offices throughout the state, and some of those other offices can do you know scoliosis bracing and things as well. But I'm I'm at the the Mill Creek office. We're at uh, 2785 East, 3300 South. Um, in Salt Lake. Uh, number is 801-467-5483. And and we can um, like I said, generally they've seen their physician already to be diagnosed with scoliosis and so then they're referred and and we can see them but but I'm happy to talk with anybody on the phone if they've just got questions initially or if somebody wanted to just come in and, and talk first before we even proceeded with you know scanning and measuring and getting started with the process just to answer questions if they're feeling concerned about it but but yeah they can reach out to um
0: to me at any time do they do they have to have a referral to come and see you
1: no, not necessarily. I mean, they could come in and just talk, kind of about the process, and and
0: and kind of explain things and things a little bit yeah. more. What about for getting a brace? Do they have to have a prescription? Yes,
1: yes. To be able to get a brace, we have to have a prescription from a prescribing physician. Okay. Um, generally, most braces um, are covered, you know, through insurance. Depending on the policy, there may be some, you know, deductible or out of pocket or those kinds of things. But we always check that out first let somebody know, you know, if there is any out of pocket, what that is before anything's ever made or done. But yes, for us to be able to provide a, a, a brace, we need to have a prescription from a, from a physician. We can, we can go through and check out insurance coverage. And and like I said, and do all of that, you know, for them, we take most insurances, you know, but we can always check out and see and make sure, you know, beforehand before yeah. anything's ever done and let them well, know. So,
0: and that's good to know. I know there are,